0: Luke chapter 24. We'll start reading in verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said to them, What manner communications? Are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? One of them, whose name was Cleophas, answering, said to him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him But we trusted that it had been that he would should have redeemed Israel Beside all this today is the third day since these things Were done most of you know the story two men one unnamed Walking together leaving Jerusalem It's resurrection day, but they don't know that They're saddened. They're discouraged and let me say this it's not that they were abandoning christ it's not that they were in sin it's not that they were quitting It's simply that they were at the moment defeated downtrodden discouraged despondent and there are a lot of reasons for these things the bible mentions a few here's what's interesting as you read the bible to look at the details that god does give in the scripture they're leaving jerusalem they're traveling about seven miles they're talking about now now look at the things that is caught co- that are causing discouragement their eyes were focused on the circumstances of the past week now when we speak of the crucifixion we understand the meaning we understand that was christ atoning for the sins of man but you have to understand their leader their redeemer their messiah had just been falsely accused, tried in a court of law, condemned to death, and crucified. And that's the circumstances as caused despondency. They're thinking on all these things. Now, here's what I want you to think for just a minute and consider. Most of the time when we find ourselves in a state of discouragement, really we can identify with these men in the causes of discouragement. When we get focused on the circumstances of the moment, circumstances of the week, things can look bleak. Doesn't matter if you look around at what's taking place in the nation or maybe it's your health or maybe it's your family, maybe it's your finances. Something has come to your life, discourage you, and as you talk about it, the more you talk about it, the more despondent you become. Negativity only produces more negativity. And verse 15 as they communed together and reason that's sometimes a very negative thing to do reason. When you're despondent. Jesus the patient loving savior that he is shows up. Now he had just come out of the grave. This was the third day. This is the first day of the week. They're clueless about what had taken place. They're clueless about the scriptures. He meets them in the way, but they can't identify him. Their eyes were holding, but they, that they should not know him. Now, look, look at the cause of their despondency. When he asked them, why are you He's so sad? And they respond, sir, you're not from this area. You don't. You don't know, you haven't heard what's taking place in these days? And Christ knew. (laughs) Boy, did he ever know. Wouldn't you like sometimes to be able to peek through that window and go back in time and view these circumstances as if it were a movie? And Christ joins them on their walk and says, What things? And here they go. They said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed and word before god and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed israel now a big part of their confusion was their, their misunderstanding of christ christians here's where a lot of people become discouraged in the christian life misconceptions concerning Christ because all of us we're not in the scripture like we ought to be and we don't always have the right understanding of God his ways, his ways are past finding out we can't fully comprehend what Christ is doing we can't see that far ahead and so when he doesn't act or react the way that we think he should it causes discouragement Why did you allow these things to happen? What was their thought process? Why would Christ? Be falsely accused. Why would God allow this man? They called him a prophet mighty indeed in word. It's a misunderstanding. Now here's their conception. He was a king. Our king. So why was he crucified. He was a great prophet. So why did God allow him to be killed in this manner? He was a mystery to us. We still can't comprehend exactly as his followers. We can't comprehend what his purpose was and why it all had to end this way. Let me ask you this. What's one of the biggest causes of confusion in your life? Just not understanding God and what he's doing. Be careful. Here's here's the source of offense and frustration, discouragement when it doesn't matter if it's sickness, a job loss, problems at work, problems with the brother in Christ, a car accident, ongoing health issues. You look at that problem and expect God to do something according to your thought process. And you have a time frame. Here's what they said. It's been three days. Well, you're misunderstanding God's timing because three days was his plan. You're looking at this through a different set of glasses. You're despondent because you say three days means now the situation is hopeless and Christ says three days, I'm out of the grave. They had misunderstood the scriptures. Now a big part of our despondency is not our lack of reading the scriptures, but a lack of understanding. It's almost like we pick and choose what we understand and don't understand. Because they had heard him speak of, you destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. The Son of Man must be accused, arrested, betrayed, sold, and crucified. And three days later. Now, let me ask you this. His teaching was very clear. Three days later. And in what was their comment in the scripture? The next verse, he says, and then the ladies, the ladies went to the tomb and they did not see him. And what is it that happens in those dark moments when it just seems like a bad thing after bad thing is taking place? We don't understand what God's doing. Then we look back and say, God, I just, I I went to where I thought you would be and I can't find you. I can't see you. Why would you allow this to happen? If you've been alive very long, there's been a point in your Christian life when you've asked God, why did you allow this to happen this way? How many of us have ever felt self-righteous? Thought, God, I didn't deserve this. Have you ever thought about that, that kind of statement? But we find it slipping out of our, if not our lips, our minds. And there's a little bit of despondency, a little bit of frustration. Or or it seems like those that are doing wrong, as David said, I I would have fainted if, if I hadn't seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. What's he talking about? The land of the living... Bad things happen in the land of the living. Once you're in heaven, you're walking on streets of gold and everything's fine. But in the land of the living, people get sick. People have a sin nature. There's suffering. There's death. There's problems. There's heartache. There's work. That's the land of the living. But he said, I would have. It's a guarantee. I would have fainted had I not seen the goodness of God. And all of us have been walking at some point. And here's what. Running the race does. You mean to tell me if you've ever run that at some point in that journey, in that race, you didn't become weary. I remember Pastor Bob, when I was in junior high, convinced me to run state. That was one of the worst decisions of my life. But I can remember when you take off, everyone starts out so fast, you're thinking, how are they going to keep this speed up? For four laps, and they do. And by the second lap, your body is saying, just quit now. This is crazy. And and I kept thinking in my mind, surely they're gonna slow down. They have to slow down. This is impossible. The body cannot do this. At least mine can't. And in that kind of a race, it is natural for the body to be weary. In running the Christian race, it's natural to be weary at some point in the race. Unless you're not running. You say, preacher, I've never been weary. You're not running. Run. If you're walking, you may not be weary. If you're sitting, some of you are laying down. Pastor, I seem rested. Of course. man, have been laying down for a long time. Get up and Run. But when you're in the race, when you, here's what they were doing. They'd been running the, the race. Listen to, it's, it's not that sin had permeated their lives. It's not that they had they had sin that was unconfessed or they had made bad decisions or gone back to the world. It's, listen, they were not going back, but they were leaving Jerusalem. Think about that. Here's the irony. They were leaving the very place where the Lord had promised to come out of that tomb. They were leaving brethren, the disciples that could support and help them in this time of discouragement. And worse, look at the timing. When you doubt God's timing, your timing becomes a disaster. Because the third day meant victory. And on the first day of the week, the first day of the week when they should have been meeting together, the first day of the week when Christ was coming out of the tomb, the first day of the week is when they walked away. And as they walked and talked about the circumstances, the more discouraged they became. And here comes a stranger. Now, they were still talking about Christ. Now, Christians, if we're honest, we find ourselves here occasionally. Just not that we don't love God. It's not that we're not zealous and passionate. It's not that we're not involved in the ministry. We're not walking away to leave the word of God or the work of God behind. We're just walking. We don't feel the way we ought to feel. We're not doing what we ought to do, not thinking the way we ought to think. Circumstances have started to control us. We've misunderstood the scriptures. We're misunderstanding who the Christ is. He is a prophet the king who's mighty the prophet who's mighty indeed the king who was the the ruler of all was condemned to death and crucified we thought we thought we trusted we believed that he should have redeemed israel how many have become discouraged because of this? we thought he should have and he didn't And today is the third day since these things were done. A light should have come on. Today's the third day. Let's go back. But they're walking away. Now, here's the patience and mercy of Christ. Knowing their faults. No, he even states in verse 25. Oh, fools. Slow heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. That's our problem. When we don't believe all the scripture. We're walking by sight instead of walking by faith. That's a guaranteed prescription for disaster. But here's what's amazing. This was a common thing to have misunderstanding and misconception about Christ. Go back with me to um, Mark 6 for just a minute. The very misconceptions they had were common misconceptions, not just 2,000 years ago, but they're common still today. You remember the story. Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, verse 2, Mark 6, 2. When the Sabbath day was come, he begins to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished, and they asked, From whence hath this man these things? What wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? The same misconception. What are they saying? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? Isn't this the Nazarite? Isn't he a common man? We... We grew up with this young man. Yes, he was a fine young man. And yes, now that we've thought about it, it's not like he lost his temper, was angry. It's not like he was a moody child. He wasn't disobedient. He's very respectful. And we all appreciate that. But do you expect us to believe that he is God in the flesh? Isn't this the son of Mary? Isn't this a simple carpenter, how does this end? They were what? The end of verse 3. They were offended at him. Look at verse 14. King Herod, he hears of him, of Christ, for his name was spread abroad. And he said, that is John the Baptist, risen from the dead, Verse 15, others said that is Elias, and others said that is a, a prophet or as one of the prophets. Now, what, what did these men on the road to Emmaus say? A mighty prophet was among us. Well, that's a misconception. In and of itself, that's a misconception. He was much more than just a prophet. So what are the misconceptions that were so common? He's a man. He's a carpenter. The son of Mary, a good man all the same, but a man. He's a prophet, a mighty prophet. Now even Herod, who had just cut off the head of John the Baptist because he preached and condemned his adultery, his living in adultery, then made his living adulteress upset and. She got so upset one day she asked for the head of John the Baptist and this scripture explains that. But my point is not for you to understand each one of these scriptures. My point is for you to understand misconceptions of Christ are dangerous and cause confusion and offense. And we like to think that we're past that in our Christian life. So these men said, maybe he's John the Baptist. Maybe he's Elias who knows he has to be a prophet look what it says in verse 41 speaking of the feeding of the five thousand when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes he looked up to heaven blessed and break loaves gave them to the disciples set them before them and the two fishes divided he among them all and they did all eat and were filled Uh, what's the misconception here Well, you find it the same story keep your finger here it goes me to john six 13, here's the misconception. Therefore, they gathered them together, filled 12 baskets with the fragments, of the five barley loaves. Do you guys see this as the sister text? It's the same one, the feeding of the 5,000. The lad comes with the five loaves and the two fishes. Verse 15, what takes place? When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him what? A king, he departed again to a mountain. Now go back to Mark 6. So what are the misconceptions? He's just a man. He's just a prophet. Or he is the king. Let him establish his throne. Well, he was the king, but he didn't come to establish his throne or his kingdom. He came to give his life and shed his blood. They wanted him to come and to solve all their problems. That's what their king was supposed to do. You know what Common misconception of Christ is living on a sin-cursed planet. God, I still want you to come and solve all my problems. Now, I'm not just going to ask you or tell you which problems to solve. I'm going to tell you how to solve them. And if you don't, I want you to know I'm going to be offended with you. We all do this. Young people do this when God doesn't provide them the right mate according to their time. Adults do this when the pay at their place of work is not what they want or require or think they deserve. Or marital problem lingers or health, instead of improving, deteriorates. Man wants the king to move and move quickly and solve the problem. It's a misconception of Christ. Look what it says in verse 48. Then Christ, he goes out. He wants to depart to a mountain and pray and he sends him across the sea on a ship. Verse 48, he saw them toiling and rowing for the wind was contrary to them and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them walking upon the sea would have passed by them but when they saw him walking upon the sea they what? Supposed, another misconception. They supposed Christ was a spirit spirit a ghost, an apparition, and they cry out in fear. Now go back with me to Luke 24 for a minute. Are you you seeing the same misconceptions? He's just a man. He's just a prophet. He's a king that should have established his kingdom and solved our problems. He's a mystery. He's a spirit. He's a ghost. We can't understand him. Now here's where confusion comes in. The same things that cause confusion, discouragement in their minds cause confusion, discouragement in our minds. We're focused on the circumstances. We're reasoning. We're communing among ourselves. What is taking place all around us? We're becoming more fearful, distraught, frustrated. Doesn't matter if it's the politics or the financial problems the decisions of a president my work situation the weather allergens pollens all of these things distress us now if he was god this is the way he should react understand this in each one of these misconceptions there were also there was also truth he was a man the god man he was a prophet the greatest that ever graced his planet He was the king. He was a spirit, he was an apparition, he was a mystery. But if you just take each one individually, it would be a misconception. If you take them all together, maybe possibly you could understand who he was. He was God in the flesh. He was a prophet come to preach eternal salvation he was the king of kings and lord of lords but his first coming he would give his life not establish his kingdom he was a mystery and still remains a mystery and is a spirit revealed in flesh so he was all of those things but if you look at it anyone in a singular form it's simply going to cause confusion that's what it did in their minds the point is we all find ourselves discouraged and confused And it's misconceptions concerning Christ. It's misconceptions concerning his word. We start to just stumble and bumble along, become weary, confused, not out of sorts, not out of God's will, not out of church, just a state of mental confusion. The longer we go that way, the more questions we have. And here's the patience and love and mercy of God. He comes and instead of simply saying, oh, foolish, foolish and ignorant people that you are. He says, so tell me about it. Are you not from around here? You haven't heard what happened. And the lovely son of God says. What things you talking about? You know what he said? just spill it, talk to me, tell me what's going on. Have you ever had someone say, talk to me? Two problems with that. Number one, you thought, okay, if I talk to you, where are you going with this? Who are you going to call? you hold this over my head. You'll bring this back up, throw it in my face. You're going to talk to someone else who's going to talk to someone else and this is going to get out of hand. Nah, I better not. Or how many of you met with a friend and they said, talk to me and you, you got about three sentences in and they interrupted you or pulled out the pulpit and started preaching, pulled out the tools and tried fixing. Can you imagine they're walking with the resurrected Lord down the path? They're discouraged. You know, you, you would feel discouraged too if, you, if you're living what we're living. How How is it that you live in this area and you don't even know what's going on? Terrible things have happened. And when they say that, terrible things, Christ says, what things are so terrible? Hold on. Because those things that seem so horrific in our mind are simply that. Horrific in our mind. Remember those things that depressed you and kept you awake at night 10 years ago? Listen for me. It was the end of the world. You can't even remember now. You thought your marriage was over. You thought it was financial ruin. You thought you were going to live in debt for the rest of your life. You thought that person was going to die. You thought your life as you knew it was done. And Christ says, uh, uh, what things? Let's talk about this. And as they talk, Christ won't even smirk. He lets them Talk about the total devastation That they have seemingly faced Our Christ Our Messiah Our King Our prophet Our leader Is done And we can't understand it And they're walking with him Telling him Now how does he not smirk At some point in this conversation He was a good man Christ says he certainly was He was a mighty prophet. Yes to that. We thought that he would redeem all of Israel. How did Christ not say he did? He's listening to this hopelessness, wanting to smile, patiently listening to to all the negativity. And here's what he says, verse 27. or Verse 26, ought not Christ to have suffered these things? enter into his glory beginning at Moses now what does he do he reaffirms the things they already knew how do we get out of discouragement this book you know the best way out of discouragement reaffirm the things you already know get in the book and reaffirm what you already know because Satan will get you to doubt everything, you know, to be truth. So the best thing you do, you open this up and you just reaffirm. He goes back to scripture, to the prophets and Moses and expounds to them those things concerning himself. Now, look, look what he does. He draws nine to the village, whither they went. He made as though he would have gotten further. You know what he's doing? He's enjoying this. So he makes it seem as though he was continuing down the road. They had arrived at their destiny. He says, uh, see you later. So good to talk to you. So good to meet you. But what was he desirous of? Further communication. This is such a rare occurrence that God actually gets our attention, actually has our time, actually has our ear. He said, "If if you're done now, I'll keep on walking. But. He he says, I'm going to go on up here to the next village, pretending like he needs to travel further, waiting for the invitation to stick around, verse 29. But they constrained him. That made him smile. And here's what they said, abide with us. When's the last time you looked at the lovely son of God and said, would you abide with me just for a few, few more minutes? Just let me let me feel your presence. It is toward evening. The day is far spent. It, it, they didn't have to do much. He went in. Now, he did this because he wanted to feel loved. How many you ever wanted to go in, eat with someone, do something to someone, but you waited for the official invitation or the pressure just to, To know that you were truly wanted. That's what Christ does. So he goes in to tarry with them. He came to pass. He sat at meat with them. He took the bread, blessed it, break, gave it to them. And their eyes were, oh, he took the veil off. Now, can you imagine how foolish they felt? They they just, I mean, droopy faced, wearied, frustrated, depressed. They just spent, this is a seven mile trek. They just spent miles saying, it's just bad news. You know, the guy that we thought was the king, the prophet, the mighty in word and deed, and it just went all downhill. And then they hung him on a cross and they crucified him. And he said something about three days, and it's been three days. And then the ladies go there, and he's not where he's supposed to be. And then they sit down and he prays. And when he says amen, they look up and it dawns on them. <laughs> Good night. What, what do you say at that point? <laughs> you know, you just, okay, Lord, I feel stupid. He feels stupid. Cleo, um, we goofed up big time on this one. Now, look, look what takes place. He vanishes. At this point, he disappears. Now, hold on for a second. We're, we're getting to where it gets interesting. They said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked? I'd love to see some Christians burn, but most aren't burning. There are more that are discouraged, there are more that are frustrated, there are more that are despondent than are burning. They said our hearts were burning. Let me ask you when was the last time your heart was burning? Now, their heart did not burn when they spoke of Christ or even spoke to Christ. Their hearts burned when they heard him speak. Most are not hearing from God. Most are not interested in hearing from God. And as a result, there's very few that have a heart that is truly burning look back at those times in your life when you were burnt your heart was burning God spoke to you and you knew it and it might have been in your house or in your car or at the church or during a conference It might have been through a person or through a child or through your mate or through a circumstance it could have been through a message or a preacher but God spoke so clear, it was undeniable, and he spoke to you, and your heart burned. But now we're too busy. So we speak to him. That doesn't make your heart burn. And we come to church. But we come so worried and preoccupied and caught up and tired, and he is wanting to speak. He doesn't have the invitation But most haven't even cleaned out their ears or are willing to hear him. Now hold on for a minute. I'm not trying to be spooky tonight. I'm not saying that God speaks the same way that he did in the Old Testament. I am telling you that God still speaks clearly to man. He deals with sin. He deals with his will. He deals with direction. He deals with a million issues in a man's life. But he needs a Listening ear. And here's why Christians aren't burning. Going to church can be discouraging. Participating in ministry can be draining. Living the Christian life can be burdensome. Running the race can be weary. Most of the Christian life takes character what will set you on fire and put you ablaze is God's voice and you know why there's no fire most Christians are not hearing from God so they don't hear on Monday they don't hear on Tuesday they don't hear on Wednesday Thursday Friday some in here have gone weeks months maybe years truly maybe years and when you do hear from God there's an immediate resistance I don't want to hear that. said OK, because look what some of the speech included. Oh, foolish. They weren't offended. His last words were extremely harsh rebuke, And they said they constrained him and said, Terry with us. Don't go another step. Why, why, why do you want to walk down the road? It's getting late. Now, listen, they were so pumped up. What's the Bible say? What's the next verse say? they had walked all this way it was most likely nearing dark they sat down to eat dinner they were so pumped up their hearts were burning within them they turned around walked seven miles back got the disciples said hey he's alive it's amazing you know it was funny so what happened well you guys left here pretty down Um, so what Hold on for a second. Why, why are you guys banging on the door? What, what in the world is going on? You look like you ran a few miles. We did seven. How in the world did Claire run seven miles? He's pretty excited. Got some good news to tell you. Why is it they were so weary minutes before they could turn around and go back seven miles, leave their destiny, leave their problems, isn't it amazing? The energy you have when your heart is aflame. You have energy to go to prayer. You have energy to go so in it. You have energy to sit through a long message and enjoy it. You have energy to sing during the song service. Your heart's ablaze. The only thing that can do that is God speaking to you and you know it and you're happy and you're responding and you're begging him to speak some more and you come to church and you come to church to hear his voice because it puts a fire in your soul and then you start hearing from him on Sunday and Wednesday and you say Lord I'd like to hear from you on Monday And you say, Lord, you know what? I'd like to hear from you Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Christian, I I can't imagine living the way some Christians live, never hearing from God. You have astounding character because you just drag one foot after the other, mile after mile. I don't want to live the Christian life that way. I would rather live it burning. And here's what. Listen, some of you have experienced that a couple times in your life. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it was a conference two years ago. You can remember something happened two years ago and God spoke to you and it set you aflame. The only problem was you didn't hear from God again because you were satisfied with that word. Did not our hearts burn within us while He You have to have amazing character to come Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. When God's not or when God's speaking, you're not listening or God stops speaking. You haven't heard from God. So you have no flame. To drive you. I don't want to live like that. I want God speaking. I want to hear his voice. I want him to know, God, I want you to speak and speak loud, speak clear. And when you do, I'm listening and obedient.